you that you can do uh, something about that name and one other that was one of the options. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your opportunity to be in your house to worship and praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this evening. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, give us exactly what we need to hear. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. We're very few in number, but we're all quality, aren't we? Amen. All quality. <laughs> okay. Uh, page Let's turn to page 
sing with me on this chorus. Aren't you glad he's, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords and our counselor and, and great shepherd? I love him tonight, folks. Amen. Let's have some fellowship time.
Okay. All right. Uh, good fellowship time. Uh, okay. uh, all right. Let's turn to page 41. Page 41 in your book. And uh, let's, uh, let, as we sing this song uh, to, the, to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit, let's, let's just really worship, really worship for Brother Rick comes to bring us the word. Holy Spirit to be upon us tonight, and uh, I do appreciate you being here, making your way out this evening to our services. I hope and pray that you've already had a wonderful week in the Lord's uh, house this evening, but also throughout the week. I hope that you've been had a good week and uh, thus far, and looking forward to the rest of the week. Um, I, I said, I think it was Sunday, that God cares about everything that we uh, that we care about those things and brother Tim came to me and I asked him how his day was he said well two-thirds of it was pretty good and I found out that his dog got hit and uh, killed his dog and uh, so uh, I, I understand what that's like and uh, whenever your pet passes away it's it's tough so I'll be praying for brother Tim I know the Lord cares about our casting all our cares upon him for he cares for us and so uh, you pray for that situation. Um, you say, well, that's silly, Pastor. Uh, well, I, I'm telling you, I think God cares about those things that we care about. So you, you pray for Brother Tim and the family as they uh, no doubt will have a tough time. I know it was for me when my dog got hit out here. 
um, uh, it was tough on me for a few days, um, but uh, I'm thankful uh, that uh, we have a, a God that cares and that comforts us in those times. All right, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians tonight, the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18 this evening. I'm going to read those verses, and we'll get into the message. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I ask that you would break open the bread of life and show us from your word something tonight to help us get through the week. Lord, give us encouragement and comfort where it's needed. Lord, give us conviction and, and uh, where that's needed as well. Lord, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are six major emphasis in this passage that I'd like to point out. Each one of these points a specific area in our lives that we need to examine and to make sure that we are on track with what God has for us and in our lives. If we are not in sync with God, we are not going to have that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. It's impossible to have joy without being in, with, uh, uh, not being in sync with God. Can I just say that our faith, uh, a faith that is not tested, is a faith that can't be trusted. You know, sometimes trials and troubles come our way. We need to trust in those, trust in the Lord during those things. Our faith needs to uh, attest every so often to make sure that it is legitimate and uh, matches up with uh, God's direction for our lives and His expectations. The goal of joy will uh, never be attained unless we make sure from time to time that we're still going in God's direction. We must always follow His will. Communication requires, uh, requires giving and receiving. It's like playing catch. When I was younger, I used to throw a baseball, and I'd, I used to get a baseball, I'd throw it up in the air, and I'd hit the ball, and then I'd go and, and retrieve the ball, and I'd hit it back, and, and I'd do that. Well, like playing catch, you need someone to catch the ball and then someone to throw the ball. If you're just, you can throw the ball all around, all day long, but you're not playing catch. See, now, what we're, what's happening here, Paul is, is given a lot of instruction to the church of uh, Philippi here, and, and now he wants to see if they've caught anything. And uh, he's not just c content with just throwing something at them. He wants to make sure they're getting it. And he wants to make sure it is making a difference in their life. Sometimes we do that with our children, don't we? We want to make sure they're getting it, what we're throwing down at them. And God will not show us new truths until we, until we obey the old truths. So tonight we're going to look in chapter 2 here and we're going, to, uh, we're going to take a test to see how well we're doing. 
I want you to notice, number one, we should have a perpetual walk. Look there in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, always obeyed. There's a continual, consistent thing going on here. First, this verse has, it's been much debated. Uh, those that believe in works salvation, this is their proof in the pudding, if you will. That's what they believe. You know, you got to work out your own salvation. This does not mean this, there's, the problem is, is that this verse debunks everything that they, they think out. Uh, to work out your own salvation does not suggest working for your salvation. Uh, to begin with, who was Paul speaking to? Paul was speaking to the saved. He was speaking to the church here. And uh, it means that he was speaking to those that have trusted Christ and had been set apart for him and for his use. And if you study that out, the word work out, uh, it's a verb. It carries the meaning of work to fulfill completion. In Paul's day, it was used also as in when they were mining, uh, doing mining. And what they would do was take out all the good stuff. They would mine all the good stuff and uh, they'd get all the valuable stuff out. And the purpose God wants us to achieve is Christ-likeness. And there are problems in life, but God will help us to work them out. That's what it's talking about. You know, uh, I'm saved and I know that I'm on my way to heaven. But salvation does not mean that we have been, just mean that we've been saved from our past sins. But what it also means is that we're, uh, it means that we're being saved from the power of sin. And praise God, one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. When we get to heaven, we will no longer be uh, even in the presence of sin anymore. The Bible says that, uh, says that a faith without works is dead. That has nothing to do with work salvation. I, I do not work to be saved. I am saved, so I do work. You see, let me give you an example of some things here. What happens to you when, when you uh, are driving down the highway... And uh, you're cruising along, just going with the flow, and all of a sudden you see that police officer about 50, uh, about 500 feet in front of you. If you're like me, this is what happens. Your foot automatically goes from the gas pedal to the brake. It's just an instinct that you do. And my hands go from 10 and two, go to 10 and 2. That's just one of the things. I don't know why I do it. It's just that instinct in me that I, I do that. And then when I'm glancing down, I'm making sure that my seatbelt's buckled. And as I'm doing that, I'm looking at the speedometer too, noticing how bad it's going to be. And uh, I don't know about you if you do the same thing or not, but I do. And by that time, my foot has slammed the brake into the, the floorboard. <laughs> Why? Because we're, we're scared of, we don't want to get a ticket. You know, um, in the process of this horrifying event, if you will, have you ever found that you glanced down at the speedometer and you was pleasantly surprised that you were going the speed limit? I, I'm, my wife's surprised all the time, but that you were actually going the speed limit or you were just under the speed limit? While your initial response to the patrolman, the, the police officer, was the same, merely a sense of relief flooded your body as you placed your foot back on the gas pedal and you waved at the officer. You see, you never have a fear of driving past a policeman if you're always obeying the laws of the land. In, in all my years of driving, I can remember 
two speeding tickets. And I can take you to that exact place where I got those tickets. Uh, I, I, well, exact place where I got pulled over. And now, every time I go past those places, I'm constantly aware that there's a policeman that's waiting there for me. I think he's waiting there for me. And I, I'm constantly aware of what's going on. You see, you know why I'm cautious of my speed at that area? Because I've been made aware of the presence of the law. Living for God constantly is simply practicing the presence of God in your life. Always being aware that God is right there. By the way, His radar eyes are always on us. You see, they're always on us, whether, whether we're in the presence of others or if we're by ourselves. The Bible says in Proverbs 15.3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. Do you notice that he notices the evil, but also he notices the good? Men don't always notice the good. They don't always acknowledge the good. But God says here that he acknowledges, he knows the good. 2 Chronicles 16.9 6, says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect, Toward him. Men may never see your good works or may not see that, but here on earth and give you credit, but God will. The Bible says in Hebrews 6:10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. The fact that God is always watching. Ought to, it ought to encourage us to have a perpetual, a consistent walk with him, knowing that he's all, he sees everything. One that is constant, in season and out of season. We need to enjoy the presence of God in our life. Thank him for the loving eyes that he has, seeing the good and the evil. Why? Because, you know, he chastens those that he loves. It just reminds me, you know, when I do things that I shouldn't be doing and I feel the chastening hand of God, it reminds me of His love for me. Now, I don't do those things just for Him to show His love to me because no one likes chastening. But I'm telling you, it reminds you of God's love for us. And, uh, you know, the thing of it is is that we can't hide from God. Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from God. Achan tried to hide from God. David tried to hide from God. Ananias and Sapphira tried to hide from God. Saul of Tarshish couldn't hide from God. And let me tell you, you're not going to be the first one that ever hide from God. It's not going to happen. You see, you can't fool God. Why? Because he's, omni- he's omniscient. He knows everything. You can't flee from God. Why? Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And you can't fight God because He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Our God, our only option is to let His presence be a help instead of a hindrance to us. The Psalm 139, it closes with these words. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, give yourself to the presence of God and you will find that your walk with God will be consistent. Be a perpetual thing. Let me ask you tonight, how's your walk with God? Is it consistent? Well, God tells us we need to have a consistent walk, but also we need to 
know his perfect will. Look there in verse 13. It says, For it is good, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for your life? God has a plan for each and every one of us. In Psalm 37, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. How sad that our stubborn will resists his divine guidance so many times. The Lord is our good shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He never forsakes us in the middle of the journey. Can I tell you that? God will never forsake us. The Bible says, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Psalm 48, 14. Are you listening to His voice in your life today? Don't let the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of sin and of riches and the lust of other things drown out that still small voice as He's speaking in our, to our hearts. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, Verse 21, it says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. The devil's good at telling us that if we live for God's, in God's will, we're going to live miserable lives. I asked the teenagers this last week, I said, How many thinks that being a Christian, should be a, you should be able to have fun as a Christian? I didn't get much of a response. But that's what the devil tries to tell us, that you're going to lead a boring, unsuccessful, you're not going to have money, you're going to be poor, you're going to be a beggar. You're going to be... That's what the devil tries to teach us. But can I tell you that as a Christian, I've had more fun as a Christian than I ever did when I was a lost person. And the thing of it is, is I can remember what I did the day before. You see, the thing of it is, is that we need to rejoice in God's perfect will, knowing, not thinking that it's a drudgery for us to, to live in His will, but listen to me, God's ways are perfect. You see, you look at the way television puts on commercial TV ads and such as that. They put on the drinking, the alcohol and stuff. Everybody is happy and things are going great. You see, the choice here is not between pleasure and misery. That's what we think, misery or pleasure. We, the choice is up to us, right? Well, that's what the devil says, but that's not God's way. The difference, the difference between the devil's way and God's way is the duration. Because there's pleasure of sin in, for a season. Did you hear that? There's pleasure of sin for a season. But notice this, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.25... Enjoy the pleasure, uh, it says, enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But in Psalm 16:11, it says this, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is the fullness of joy. At the right hand are their pleasures forevermore. So the difference is not between pleasure and misery, but in the duration of our pleasure. Do you want to have pleasure and joy for a lifetime or do you just want to have it for a season? Can I tell you, I want to have it for a lifetime. You won't always see and understand God's ways, but can I tell you, we need to remember Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God has a different perspective in our lives than we do. You can trust God with your life. He never has made a mistake, and I can tell you this, he's not going to make a mistake now. See, we need to know God's perfect and acceptable will is. But then I want you to notice this pointed warning. Look there in verse 14 of our text. It says, Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Right in the middle of this self-examination, if you will, God throws a big-time warning, and we all need it. Did you know that more people were put to death in the Old Testament due to complaining and murmuring than in anything else? You can check it out. Paul warned the church of Corinth. He warned them in 1 Corinthians 10.10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. When we complain and gripe about our circumstances in life, we are, com- we are committing a grievous sin because in reality we are doubting the goodness of God. We're doubting His plan for our life. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolish of a, foolishness of a man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. You see, it's not the weather It's not your parents or your children or your boss or your job. You're griping against the Lord. See, God has a question for all of us. He says in Lamentations 3.39, Wherefore doth the living man complain? Folks, what do we have to complain about? Yeah, we get upset at times. But can I tell you, God's been good to us. We have nothing to complain about. We, are far, we should be far more grateful that uh, we have far more to be grateful for than we have to, to gripe about. The truth is, instead of complaining that we aren't getting what we deserve, we should be eternally grateful that we're not getting what we deserve. Because what we deserve is we deserve to die and spend eternity in hell, but I'm thankful that God doesn't give us what we deserve. See, this is how, this is one of Satan's tools again. This is how he tripped up uh, the, the first couple in the Garden of Eden. He made them feel as if God was restricting them from, uh, because he forbade them to eat of one tree. Rather than focusing their attention on what God had given them, they remembered the one thing that they couldn't have. Is that not us? I mean, all the good things that God has bestowed upon us and given to us, and we gripe and complain about the one thing that we shouldn't be doing. See, I wonder how many people are turned off to the message of salvation because of our murmuring, complaining. You see, if Paul and Silas would have complained when they were in prison, think about this, do you think the Philippian jailer would have been saved? So the next time we begin murmuring, complaining, think about this pointed warning that God's telling us here. Hey, don't complain and murmur. It says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Then I want you to notice number four. Notice the perverse world here. It says there in verse 15, it says, 
that ye may be a blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without buke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the, in the world. The world is drifting farther and farther and farther and farther away from the things of God. It's evident, it's seen, but as children of light, we are to stand out as a beacon of truth in this dark, perverse world. The Bible says this, uh, 2 Timothy 3.13, But evil man and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and be deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom hast learned them. Paul also says in Ephesians 5.10, he says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Rebuke those things. Someone said, when you criticize the conditions of the world, you need to ask yourself, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? And as you and I live in this perverse world, and as it gets worse and worse, we need to ask, are we being lights in this dark world? Are we letting our lights so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven? The Bible says, let your light so shine. It didn't say, let your light so flicker. Let it shine. But then I want you to notice number five, a powerful witness. Look there in verse 16. It says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. What makes our light effective in this perverse world? How effective can we really be? Well... If it were your message, it would be tough unless you have a lot of money or a lot of influence. But it's not our message. It says holding forth the word of life. I decided early in my ministry that I really had very little to say. Since I had little to say and God called me to preach, I told him that if he was okay with it, I would just preach what he'd have me to preach. I'd simply plagiarize him. I'm convinced that we can neither never go wrong by saying, simply saying, thus saith the Lord. I remember the time when I was out door knocking and and people were I mean I was getting frustrated because I was door knocking and, and knocking on people's doors and they were just not listening, have anything to say. And I was doing all the right things. I was looking for the conversational piece. And I was doing all this stuff. And then I just remembered, I just said in this next door, I'm just going to quote scriptures. I remember knocking on the door and a young man came to the door and I just started quoting scriptures to him. I started just saying the things about the Lord. And, and I just let the Lord speak through me. That day that young man got saved. You see, I realize God's word is what makes a difference. It's not me. It's God's word. Isaiah 55.10 says this, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, and that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. 
No wonder the prophet Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 23, 28. says, A prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath of my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chafe to the wheat? And saith the Lord, Is not my words like a fi- as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces? We do live in a per- perverse world. But we have been given a powerful witness. Let's use it. Give those tough cases that we call tough cases. Give them to the word of God. Give them to the will of God. And watch the hammer of God's word break the hardened hearts of people. But then I want you to notice the last thing, a praised work. Look there in verse 17 and 18. It says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Can I tell you, joy is a byproduct of service. One thing we started a long time ago with my wife and our kids, what we would do a lot of times during Christmas time or during Thanksgiving, we would make cookies for the nursing homes. And it was just a service that we did. And it always, every time we did this, it made us feel better. Because not because we were getting something, but because we were giving something. We were, we were doing something for someone else. Joy is a byproduct of service. Paul was rejoicing over the ministry of those believers that they were rejoicing likewise in the ministry that God had given to them. See, I've noticed over the years uh, the churches that, I, that are busy giving themselves for the cause of Christ, there's always joy. There's joy in serving the Lord. I tell you, there's no greater calling, I think, than to be called a Christian. John 13, 17 says this, If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You want to be joyful, you want to be happy, obey the laws and the commands of God and do them. You see, you can memorize all 31,000 verses that are found in the Word of God. And not be happy until you apply those things in your life. You practice those things. I was reading this. Karl Marx had the gospel. Did you know this? Karl Marx had the gospel memorized as a teenager. The gospels. He could recite Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Word for word he could recite them. But he died an atheist. It is said that David Koresh, the cult leader, that... Uh, had the entire New Testament memorized, but died an unhappy man. Some people refuse to serve at, at all until they know it all. But they miss out the joy of the Christian, the Christian life. Joy never comes to a child of God who simply sits in church waiting to be entertained. Joy is found in the service of the King. I'm telling you, as we serve the Lord, it will bring joy to your hearts. Can I tell you something? If you've never led someone to the Lord, you don't know the joy that God has for us. Seeing someone get saved, I'm telling you, there's joy that overflows. You're happier than that person almost. There's joy. There's happiness. You see, it's not in pleasure 
Lord Brian lived a life of pleasure, but wrote, The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. It's not money. Jay Goyd, I believe his name is, he's a, he was a millionaire, and he, on his deathbed, this is what he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. So it's not in pleasures, it's not in, it's not in money, and it's not in our military. Alexander the Great conquered the known world of his day, Having done so, he wept in his tent because, as he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where is happiness? The Bible says in Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. As we looked at this section of scripture here, I wonder how are we doing? Do you have a perpetual walk with the Lord that you're continuing to grow on a daily basis? Are you following after His perfect will or are you following after your will? Are you heeding the pointed warning that God has given to us or are you complaining about your present circumstances? Are you a light in this perverse world? You see, we can be that light in the dark world that, with that powerful witness God left us with. If you are doing our, if we're doing our part, we will have a praised work. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm going to encourage you to examine your own hearts tonight. Take this home, examine it, read over it, and think about these things. How is my walk? Am I following after His perfect will? Have I heeded that pointed warning that God has given us? I realize we live in a perverse world, but we have a powerful witness. And if we're doing our part, we'll have a praised work. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Paul's throwing down some things. He's wanting to know, did you catch it? There's a saying, are you catching what I'm throwing down? And I believe that Paul was showing us some things and we need to learn it's what he was doing with the church of Corinth there. He was showing them some things. Church of Philippi, he was showing them, seeing if they caught what he was telling them. As we're in an attitude of prayer tonight, I'm just going to challenge you to examine your heart and see what the Lord would have you to do. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for your love, your mercy, your grace for your word, for your, the witness that you've left us with. Lord, I pray that our walks would match what we say. Our actions would match what we do and what we say. Lord, I ask that you would just work a great work in our midst tonight. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to begin playing softly. I'm going to encourage you just to have a time with the Lord and examine your heart, see if there be any wicked way in you. As you're in an attitude of prayer, we're going to lift up some petitions tonight. 
would ask that you would continue to pray for my wife's grandma, Grandma Beulah Ali. Uh, she has diverticulitis, and she was in the hospital this weekend. She's recovering, and uh, she's 94, 95, I believe. And so you just remember Beulah Ali, if you would, in your prayers. Um, someone else have a prayer request tonight? Yes, Miss Christy. Okay. Yes, we was at basketball games. We usually don't go to the basketball games uh, at the school, but uh, not to the varsity. And, uh, but we went last night just for a fun thing to do. And uh, my wife was there, and one of the girls that was playing in the girls' varsity game, she fell over and hit her head on the on the ground, and uh, she had a mild concussion. And so uh, Miss Christie was there to uh, examine her, and that was a good thing. And then one of our teenagers that we had, uh, he was playing basketball. And uh, he hit his head really hard and has a mild concussion as well. So I don't know the little girl's name, but uh, his, his name is Clay. And uh, so you remember Clay Miller and uh, the Miller family. Is there, uh, he, my daughter talked to him today, and he said he was still not right. But uh, uh, you pray for Clay Miller. All right, anyone else? Remember our church this weekend as we start our campaign and uh, sibling day. Invite someone to church this weekend, a, uh, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a cousin, somebody, a family member to our services this weekend. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this privilege we have to pray. Lord, we realize the power that comes from prayer. You said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Lord, tonight we're asking you to examine our hearts and forgive us where we fail you. Lord, that nothing would hinder our prayers tonight. Lord, I pray for these prayer requests for Beulah Ali, Grandma. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, continue to be with her as she's healing from this diverticulitis. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just be with her and comfort her. Lord, I pray that you would be with Clay Miller and the Miller family as uh, he's just recovering from this head uh, trauma, uh, uh, concussion, Lord, I ask that you just be with him and also the little girl that was hurt last night as well. Lord, I thank you for uh, how we can come to you knowing that you're the great physician. And Lord, also I ask, uh, Lord, that you'd be with Brother Tim and his family in this loss of their dog. Lord, I pray that you would comfort their hearts and, uh, Lord, as uh, only you can. Lord, again, thank you for our church. Lord, I ask that you would bless our church, be with us, help us to grow uh, number one in spirit, but also help us to grow in number. Lord, I pray that this weekend would be a, uh, Lord, a weekend where we can invite family and that, uh, uh, Lord, our family would come and hear the word of God and that's being preached and, Lord, that they can examine their lives and see if they be saved or not. Lord, I pray that you do a great work, that we would give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me give you a few announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. You, if you have an offering, you can just drop it in the plate as you go out. Uh, but let me remind you that this coming Saturday is prayer breakfast. I'm glad I reminded myself here, and uh, I need someone to do the devotion. So uh, I may have to ask one of my deacons to do that, or I'll do it. But uh, anyway, so that's this Saturday. Nine o'clock is our prayer breakfast. Um, and then this Sunday is Love Your Sibling Day, so bring a family member to church the following Sunday is Love Your Spouse Day, so bring your spouse to church, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have a special day that day. And then February 18th is Love Your Social Group, um, so bring a friend to church. And then the following week is Love Your Sanctuary Day. We're going to have a special offering for our parking lot, 
and uh, looking forward to that getting finished this year. And then also uh, on March the 3rd, we'll have prayer breakfast, but after the prayer breakfast, we're going to have a baby shower for baby Amos, and uh, looking forward uh, to that. And so that would be right after the, the prayer breakfast. They are registered at Walmart if you would like to participate in that. All right, I think that's all the announcements we have. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in a word of prayer. And I do appreciate you being here this evening. All right. Brother Ed, sir, would you close us in a word? God, gracious Lord, and Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your love and blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your watch here. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. Lord, we ask you to watch over us and guide us and bless this church, Lord, and bless our pastor. Take him by the hand, Lord, and lead him in the way you have him to go. Be with each and every one of us, Lord, and we do your will. And Lord, we pray that this anyone that comes through these doors, Lord, is not saved. And Lord, they get saved before they leave. We're asking now to watch over us and keep us safe throughout the rest of this week. And forgive us the times when we turn.